All right. I think uh, we are currently on. Um, it does say live on YouTube. It does say live on YouTube. <clears throat> now, uh, we are springing this on everyone. Uh, again, uh, this is the most unhelpful way to approach the subject we uh, do. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> we're live streaming, but at the end of the day, it's like if you didn't know about this, there's really no point in uh, knowing about the live stream um, because you won't be around for it. But you know what it will do? It'll make my life easier for the edit. So what I want to do is I want to share the intro screen. Are you ready for the jingle, brother? Okay, we are jinglified. We are ready to go. My brew. So, um, if you are around, oh, Ari, my goodness. Ari's getting, uh, he was around for this morning's uh, live, <laughs> live stream as well. So, dude, good to see you again. And uh, why study theology, Pilgrim? It's a great question to kick us off. In fact, see what you've done there, Ari. See what you've done there. <laughs> That is that is exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Very, very good. Um, man, what well, are we even doing with this show? I think that's the question that I began to ask myself a while ago as I was uh, puffing on my pipe and uh, having a, a bit of a fine scotch. I was wondering what it is that we need to be accomplishing with this. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the podcast. Um, I'm getting a lot of good, solid chats, good, solid fellowship. But I was chatting to a good friend of mine. Uh, some will know him, Jethro Dredge. There's a shout out, Jethro. Don't think I don't ever do anything for you. Um, and but I was in Australia. We were talking. <laughs> we were talking, and um, <laughs> and he was saying, "Listen, you guys don't have any definition, so you're just rambling on, and no one even knows what you're talking about." And it's just like it's a little bit irritating sometimes. Mm. And to be honest, we kind of went into it knowing that that would happen. We just yeah, we thought, let's just get something going. Let's just, you know, we're talking anyway. Let's not put too much thought in it. But we've been going for a little while now, and we've uh, kind of done a little bit of a circumference in terms of what it is that the show is about. So I think, I think Andre's feeling it. I'm feeling it. We all want to step into something a little bit more productive because I, I would like to, after having done this for a while, I would like to keep it going. Um, I think it is worthwhile uh, for myself. Um, really, I think it's, uh, you know, I love connecting with the guys I connect with anyway. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm going to do regardless. I, I find it helpful. Um, and now with, uh, as it turns out, I didn't, didn't really plan for this, but, you know, just getting organized with things like live streams and recordings actually has been very beneficial in terms of pastoral ministry. Who would have thunk, right? Um, Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Um, and so stuff like that. I think that, you know, it's not like it's not too far out of my way is what I'm saying. Uh, so I would like to keep going. It's something um, of a, um, a certain, I don't, th I don't see myself uh, fading out anytime soon. But I do want to, you know, if, just think about listeners for the first time, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just, great when you put it like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, welcome. Welcome to my world. I think about myself all the time. And uh, yeah. 
it's kind of like it's you know when the plane's going down you put oxygen on yourself and then you worry yeah. about others you know it's one yeah, of those yeah totally exactly and, and it's just sometimes you need to put a lot of oxygen on yourself first and sometimes it's like not even like that but you just do it anyway <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> sometimes you just want oxygen you know so yeah. you, yeah. Look, you look to the your plane's left. not even going down planes are going down <laughs> there's not even any children next to you but you just want no, that oxygen. i want to help but you just want it anyway yep yep so um you know every and then one day you start thinking you know what maybe someone else wants some oxygen maybe that's it um i suppose well on a serious note i think the thing is for me it's it's you know we we do as pastors and you're the same i mean we're we're kind of most of what we're thinking about is geared around what's going to help others in terms of Sunday ministry and that sort of thing. And yet we're all into, um, you know, theology and uh, there is a, I suppose there's a, the reason why pastors like to talk theology and like to get nerdy about it is because we're, you know, typically when you're studying for something, you know, all day and all night, you get into, you know, the deeper ends of it. And, um, it, it, while it is, um, certainly therefore to bring it all down to the battlefield, um, and to make it useful, I mean, there is a certain joy in being able to connect. And uh, and there, I think there is a certain help in being able to talk about yeah. the highest stuff as well um, to some degree. But I have found out also that, you know, this isn't this isn't the best podcast at the moment for someone who's wanting to get their head around Reformed Theology. Like there are a million times better podcasts that I would send them to, more structured, actually geared for people that are wanting to you know, just, just build and, and building blocks. So like a lectures, a lecture series almost, you know? Um, and so, uh, I think, I think what would be nice in terms of, uh, the goal for me anyway, is to just move things forward in such a way that along with our normal discussions that, are, that fly all over the place, um, for those people that do just find, Hey, actually some, you know, sometimes I just like to listen to this on my downtime, and uh, I don't really understand a lot of it, but I, I would like to be brought along. I think that would be good. And I don't want to push those people away. I don't want to say this is not for you. Uh, I want to say, all right, well, just just be prepared to kind of just, just be a little bit confused on certain issues. But then I also want to have something else that uh, is, is, is building people up and uh, moving people along. And so, you know, at, at that level, um, we're looking at um, trying to maybe systematize this a little bit more sticking to our normal conversational topics in, in many ways, and yet just moving forward and, and kind of covering every area and building from the ground up. And then what I will try and do as well is once we've accumulated a few of these links, I'll form a separate playlist on, on YouTube, which I think will be cool. That'll just be like, all right, you're the basics. You know, these are the definitions. And any particular, particularly helpful uh, podcast that we look at in terms of forming those definitions, um, I'll go ahead and put them on a separate p- playlist for people that want to get caught up. And in that in that way, it could be not only a, a fun kind of thing to listen to on your downtime, or if you just want to join us in the conversation, but um, also something that builds you up and something that actually, you know, I, I'm thinking more than a year now. I'm thinking, you know, how you tend to year, uh, listen to podcasts for, for uh, a few years. Well, you know, hopefully at the end, we could just leave you with something that a little bit more than when you started. That'd be awesome. So what we, uh, and I'm just seeing Ari's uh, comment here, uh, people will know if People will know if you're live if you actually tell them to hit the notification or bell button. Harry, this is not a Greek channel. This is a theology channel. Right? We don't do Greek <laughs> on this channel. I don't even know what you're talking about there. Hit the bell. Actually, Why would anyone fair, do that? We did, we did do some Greek. 
right. Okay. Well, it's not a, it's a Greek channel, but it's not a, it's not a whatever, whatever you're talking channel. It's in a tech channel. No, I mean, we, what are you talking about? Subscribe. The Where's People the bell? Subscribe I don't know. Subscribe to your YouTube channel and then it'll notify them. Right. Okay. Well, obviously, I don't know you should what be the notification bell button thing is, but the, like, Ari, let us know. Like, what, what are you talking about? But also, the, um, like, if, if people subscribe to the channel, it'll send them a notification when it's live. Yeah, totally. So um, go ahead and subscribe if you want in. That's obvious. You should be doing that anyway. Why aren't you doing that? Don't let me catch you not doing that. I'll knock you But you are head. recording this, aren't you, for normal podcasts? Yeah. So now I've found a way to take this and basically turn it into a podcast. So sorry for those people that have been listening. And we've, uh, you might want to just go check out the YouTube channel because a lot uh, we've got a bit more content there than we do on the actual podcast. Um, or oh, at least on the, on the, yeah, on the podcast channel. Um, but hopefully this will sync it up and we'll move on nicely from this point on. Um, okay. Now what we got in terms of a plan is, uh, just to spend a little time. I mean, in terms of a systematic theology, systematic theologians that are kind of singing our tune, I think, uh, David Van Drunen, obviously, but, but he's done a lot, done a lot of work, excuse me, on the two kingdoms. Um, and we've said a lot on that and we want to get a bit more of a wide, wide run in on this. So Michael Horton is the guy to look at. Thankfully he has written a nice accessible, uh, study on the, on the full body of divinity, uh, called Pilgrim theology, which is really the subtitle of this podcast. So amen to that. Um, and, uh, it gives us a helpful way to just kind of structure what we want to talk about. So we'll, in some sense, work through review that book but then just bounce off of that and just uh feel a little bit of freedom but i think what that'll do is it'll force us to at least just define concepts and starting from the ground up and then mm-hmm. um again add to that playlist so with that in mind we are going to kick it off tonight with uh the introduction to pilgrim theology core doctrines for the christian life um and uh, the opening question there why study theology um and uh, obviously that is something that is um, right at the baseline, right? If we're going to get into this thing, why, you know, beyond the coolness, the extreme awesome coolness, the extreme awesome, amazing coolness of getting onto live stream and sending little uh, comments and, you know, hanging out and beyond the extreme awesome coolness of looking at my face and beyond the extreme awesome coolness of being able to hang out and uh, do all that sort of stuff. Why study theology? Why, why even dial into a podcast like this where we just talk theology the whole time? What is the point? Um, and, uh, you know, we know that there are some important reasons. You want to kick us off with anything that comes to mind there, bro? Yeah, I mean, the first thing to say is just like how absolutely frustrating it is that this question comes up as much as it is. Like Uh people are just very, very suspicious. I read a great, um, I think it was Bevington who wrote a a great thing on uh, why evangelicals tend to resist uh, like sort of anti-academic or um, anti-intellectual, sorry, that they are anti-intellectual, not that they resist it. They resist any kind of study, deeper study of theology because they think it might lead them down sort of liberal tracks or might make them sort of all ivory towerish and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the really frustrating thing is that like it, it is absolutely vital to, to know theology. And it was, it's really interesting as well, because if you had to go down into the markets during the days of um, the early church creeds, like the everyday Christian, the fisherman down at the docks or whatever would be talking about Arius, you know, would be talking about, yeah. oh, was the sun created or not kind of thing. Mm. Like it wasn't just a, a something for the high tower philosophers. It was an everyday sort of thing. 
Um, but we've totally lost sight of that. And what we tend to do is just leave it to the academics or leave it to the pastors and they do the stuff. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, A, it makes it a lot harder for pastors because part of the problem um, is that we're using terminology that nobody else gets. And sometimes yeah. that's because we're using very specific niche terminology. But sometimes we're just using Bible terminology and people don't understand Bible words anymore mm-hmm. because uh, nobody reads the theology. They don't even read their Bibles. And when they read their Bibles and they come across a word like propitiation, they don't look it up. So mm. um, uh, suddenly pastors have to find other ways of talking about propitiation, like the NIV, sacrifice of atonement, which doesn't yeah. actually mean the same thing. So like it's, it's, um, it's, it's very, very confusing. Um, in in that sense, and so needing to understand at, very, at the very least the basic concepts of what the Bible teaches, um, and to understand the vocabulary the Bible uses, is just vital to understanding the Bible, and it's vital for the Christian faith. So um, uh, I I just think, uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll kick off by by saying that. Yeah, no, those are good good points, and um, I think of for example, if if we were to do this a few hundred years back, uh, we might make use of John Gill's. Uh, body of divinity which he wrote for his parishioners or congregants yeah. um yeah. now if you've read that it's pretty highfalutin theology it's 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 quite insane and um you know to to have to have that indicate the kind of level theologically uh that people were at in terms of those who sat in the pews uh, compared to today i mean it's it's quite I mean, that is frightening. It's, it's obviously, it's not a total indicator and not everyone was at that level, but just the fact that, I mean, you wouldn't even dare release something like that for people, you know, at a lay level. That would be a very high caliber of, of, of study of theology at a seminary. And, um, and so, you know, not to mention the fact that theologians themselves, you know, I mean, the training was just immense compared to what, what pastors now uh, undergo so it's, we don't we have less training up we're all it's weird we're all kind of more literate in some ways and more tech savvy in some ways but we've just um we've gone downhill at some level as well so i think sorry you wanted to go for something there well i was just saying you know a case in point for this are hymns you know like christians today like you take i don't guide me over our great jehovah right mm. which is a great a great hymn and one that may or may not be related directly to the, could to the be. podcast. Could it be. could be. It could be could a be. song by someone named Andrew. No, not Casella. Andrew. Jeremy. Oh, dang, why do I? Casella. Why do I keep? Why do I? Uh, there's another guy anyway. Bro. Jeremy Casella. That's, he's awesome. help it, bro. Yeah. The Andrew, the Andrew guy. Forget about him. It's all about Jeremy. It's all about Jeremy, Jeremy Casella mm-hmm. and his awesome jingle. But the... Um, uh, like you know, how many people actually hear him like that and pick up all of the biblical allusions and oh the man, echoes to and it's so rich, you know. And even some of the Christmas carols, you know, some of them are awful, but some of them are great. You know, light from light, true God from true God, like you know, oh, it all comes through. And we just um, uh, we don't we don't often pick it up. And I think mm. the 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 bottom line is that um, your Christian life is impoverished mm. unless you address your own understanding of theology because mm. christianity is more than just understanding but it's not less you know no absolutely um, yeah uh yeah i think that is a great example i mean william williams is uh, him guide me O that great jehovah is just i mean the the amount of biblical typology that is squeezed into one hymn you know and you just think i mean 
uh, it's why it's such an epiphany when you, when you hear it for the first time in, in the landscape of modern hymns. It's just packed full of theology and, um, and, and it sort of never runs dry. The more you study, the more you piece together what he was doing in that hymn. And so, as you say, that's not the only one. So many of the others as well. Um, so, I mean, I think uh, what we're saying here is basically, number one, we're saying that, 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 that theology isn't something dry and dusty and, uh, you know, it just completely academic it is um it is it's, it's a wellspring of life for the soul in that it's an explanation of who god is out of his word and um uh, you know it's an understanding of the various ways in which uh, the word works together to form uh, a unified picture and points us to christ so these things are, are you know for the christian obviously necessary it's it's like food for the soul uh, not just for the pastor um but we we move on from that, and I think uh, one of the things that um, you know comes up pretty soon, uh, pretty soon in a conversation is, well, I just want to, I just, I'm into the devotional side of Christianity, not the theological side, mm-hmm. and um, and I think the well-worn uh, illustration there, and and Horton brings it up here as well, is you know someone says, I just want to love Jesus. I mean, we only have to ask which Jesus or who is Jesus even. Um, to and then all of a sudden we d- we need theology. If we don't have theology, yeah, well, absolutely. we're we're truly in trouble. And um, yeah. and if we can't even talk about the one we supposedly love, I mean, there is a there is a problem with that. Uh, theology is not the dual and end all of the Christian life, but really, it can't it, there can't be a Christian mm-hmm. life without an understanding of which Jesus yeah. we're Christians of. You know, um, in, in that sense. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so you could say, you could say, look, you, you can love Jesus without having a particularly deep theology. But I guess, you know, the, the, the point is that you do have a theology. You know, you Everyone are already a, a theologian. Mm-hmm. And so you already think certain things about Jesus. You might even be a non-Christian listening to this and think certain things about Jesus. You know, and those thoughts about him might be wrong. And they might be right. Mm. And unless you've put some effort into addressing whether or not my thoughts about them are wrong or right, that's going to affect everything. So you take a simple statement like, you know, to love, I just want to love Jesus. Um, well, already you've got a theological statement there. Why do you think that that is what you need to do? You know, why is it that I just want to love Jesus is enough? Why is that your summary of Christianity? Yeah. Where did you get that from? What, you know, what else are you making there? Uh, what things have you left out of that definition that could be in that definition? Mm. Um, you know, what about loving other people? Or, <clears throat> um, you know, you could take, like you said, Jesus, who is he? Uh, you know, what Jesus, do I, is it the Jesus of Jehovah's Witnesses, the Jesus mm. of Mormons, the Jesus of uh, Muslims? Everyone's got a concept of Jesus, but, you know, it, what definition of Jesus are you loving and what does it mean to love him? So like mm. yeah. already every part of that has certain theological assumptions mm. and you have assumptions and you are making those assumptions. The only question is, um, are you making correct assumptions? And yeah. the the better your um, the better your kind of foundation for all of those concepts, the more it's going to enrich your love for Jesus, not take mm. away from it. You know, mm. surely if you have a better understanding of Jesus, then you can have a better love for Him. And if you have a better understanding of what it means to love Him, you can mm. have a better love for Him. And if you have a better understanding of how loving Jesus fits into the whole framework of what God is doing in the world, that will help you to do it in a way that is more pleasing to him. So like everything is theology. Mm. All of life is theology. Mm. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, 
Ari says, uh, bad theology gives us bad ways to deal with. And by the way, this is Ari Blino, not Ari Nurtzic or Nurtze, uh, depending on how you pronounce it, uh, who was the guy who Klein got the framework theory from, who wrote Chotzevurt. Uh, or, you know, he was that Dutch. Well, he was the guy, <laughs> the guy who wrote um, uh, the framework theory, or basically uh, at least um, Klein much of his framework theory from his name was Ari uh, it's spelt N-O-R-D-T-J-I-Z I think or something like that um, wow that's yeah, or something like that anyway so Ari Blino um, also profound says uh, bad theology gives us bad ways to deal with life when it counts whereas good theology helps us cope amidst the sorrows uh, and the joy Amen. Lamentations. Yeah. Preached on that. Bingo. A good example of that. Yeah. Amen. Indeed. Um, all right. So now one of the things is uh, in terms of uh, putting down. Oh, my goodness. Really? Ari's middle name is Gerhardus. I did not know that. I think I knew that, but I perceptually blocked. Wow. That's amazing. Um, all right. So um, I think one of the things is that. Um, Horton sets us up with some very important definitions when he starts his systematic theology and um, mostly by way of archetype and ectype. So if you've heard those concepts before, this won't be new, uh, but they are super important theologically. And we'll use this over and over again as we uh, work through some of the more tricky bits. Um, The idea, and this fits into the idea of a pilgrim theology very well in that when we talk about uh, an ectype, we're simply talking about a copy or something that proceeds from the original, so to speak, something um, that represents the original. Um, but um, when we talk about the archetype, we're talking about the original itself. So often this goes hand in hand with an understanding of God's essence and his energies. Um, we can know God in terms of his energies, uh, but God is known in himself, by himself, in terms of his essence. And, um, and this becomes important as we think about what we're trying to do as pilgrims. Uh, at one level, uh, Horton says, and I, and I agree with this 100%, um, we have to keep in mind that when we're pilgrims, we're not yet in glory. And, um, and that means that we're going to be full of sin, that we're going to have sinful misapprehensions of things. And uh, to, to, that, that means there's a certain demeanor in our theology. We can get sure of ourselves, but not sure to the point that we're you know, a triumphalist. Mm-hmm. And what, what, uh, what we sort of think in terms of the ectype rather than the archetype. Now, we've got to be careful with that because it doesn't mean that when we get to glory and are perfected in our nature that we'll know God in terms of the archetype uh, because you know, we'll never become God. We'll always be creatures that relate to God, but uh, we will have our sin removed. So we'll have a much clearer understanding in terms of the ectype at that point. Um, and so... Uh, what that means is we think about ourselves now is number one, we, we are, there's a veil, so to speak, right? We look through the, the, the glass dimly uh, and all of those sorts of metaphors come into play. That means we do humble theology. And I think this is very important. I think uh, this is gone are the days certainly where it's helpful for us to talk about theology as if we, you know, had, done a circumference around the knowledge of all the universe and uh, back again. And, and now we have definitively, definitively stated that this is this and this is that. Uh, I think that was part of a you know, post-enlightenment modernist thing. And we basically, uh, one, one of the good things that came out of post-modernism is that we're just a little bit more unwilling to 
be so sure of ourselves and we're just uh, we're ready to deconstruct things and put them back together again rather than just simply accept blindly those traditions that were handed down. There's nothing wrong with uh, handing down traditions. There's nothing wrong with accepting traditions, but we've got to do it in such a way that uh, we're, we're grabbing hold of those traditions uh, in truth. And so the, you know, part of it, part of what we want to be doing as we work through a body of divinity is not just simply accepting stuff, but taking what was delivered, deconstructing it, um, and, and I'm not using that word in a very strict postmodern sense. I just mean thinking about it, thinking about every component of it rather than just blindly accepting it. And then once we've assessed, all right, well, this is looking good. This is perhaps we're less sure about this. We put it together and we come up with a doctrine that might be right in the bullseye. It might be like, this is, this is a fundamental of the faith. We are willing to die on this, on this hill. Uh, and you get some other areas that are periphery. And uh, you're able to have a bit of perspective that way. And you're able to deal with humility with those who oppose uh, on those issues. You're willing to contend for the faith where it matters. And uh, all relating to this idea of archetype, ectype as well, in that we're simply approaching it uh, in terms of an understanding of who we are and who God is, and we are pilgrims on the way at this point. We are those who don't, don't, certainly don't have archetypical knowledge, but we don't even have a glorified knowledge yet. Um, mm -hmm. We have uh, a sinner's knowledge of an inspired word uh, that is perfect. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, if there's anything you want to to that but what are your thoughts no i just i, I like the way he um talks about you know the, the old theologians uh talking about our theology yes um <clears throat> you know and uh that's horton you know who mentions this and it's our theology in the sense that it's uh ectypal which means it's it's distinct from the bible you know it's not god self-revelation our theology is our reflection on god's self-revelation and so it's it's distinct from scripture you know in the in that sense uh, but it's our theology also in the sense that it's not just <clears throat> us doing it by ourselves so i think sometimes this is the problem we th we feel like you you look at you know even that massive of books behind you there and you think how on earth am i gonna read all that and come to terms with that and that's only a a very small corner, literally, in, in mm. the, the world of Christian books. And so, like, how on earth am I going to come to terms with that? Well, the good news is you don't have to do that by yourself. Actually, we, we do theology. It's our theology in the sense that the whole church mm. throughout history has been doing theology. And yep. it's our theology together. It's not just my theology or your theology. Mm. Um, and then the third thing he brings out from that is that um, <clears throat> he talks about it's um, it's our theology in the, in the sense that it's the, the theology of the saints militant. And he doesn't use that term, but that's my term. It, 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 well, not my term, but you know what I mean. Um, the, uh, it, it's, it's our theology in the sense that when the saints are in glory and they see God face to face and the veil is lifted, like you, you've yeah. been saying, they see it perfectly. But yeah. we're on that road now. We're on that pilgrimage, which is what you, what you were saying. Hmm. And I think there's this great... <clears throat> um, there's this great... Um, sort of, I, I don't know if balance is the right way to put it, but it's a kind of harmony between um, certainty and humility. Mm. You know, to say that, listen, humble theology um, is to say that, look, the theology is going to be growing. I think you get this in the Reformation with the kind of semper reformanda, mm -hmm. you know, always reforming. Um, it didn't mean that, uh, that it was continually moving away 
you know, or in a certain direction away from the sources. It meant continually mm. going back to the sources and rethinking things mm. according to the sources. Mm. And I think that there is a sense of humble theology is always asking the question, how's my theology growing or sharpening or deepening? You mm-hmm. know, and I think that, um, th- I think that's a really good question to ask of, of ourselves. You know, how's my theology changed? Mm. Yeah, and when you say that, you say, well, hang on a second, should theology change? Shouldn't we stay steadfast on the... Well, there are certain things that are very, very, um, very, very important. You don't move from the gospel to something else. Mm. So you stay with the gospel. But even your understanding of the gospel should deepen. Mm. You know, so you take something that's like absolutely fundamental for us, something like uh, justification by faith or the Trinity. Mm. Um, you know, your theology in those areas should still be growing and you should still find your yourself learning um and thinking oh i thought wrongly about that in this way and uh now i see that actually this is a a much more biblical way of thinking about it or something Mm. so that idea of just being committed to even though um i'm certain that the gospel is true i'm certain that christ is lord i'm certain that god is trying you know i'm certain uh, in in justification by faith alone and uh, in the authority of the scriptures um you know within that there is still a huge amount of growth and to be done and so i think we should always be seeking to be learning from others and and growing um in that sense Mm. yeah i mean you know when he makes that point um I think of the value of confessions, for example, and we will talk more yeah. about this in, in future chapters, but um, you know, we're not, I mean, one of the things as sinners we have to kind of counteract our own sinful perceptions is the reality of community. The, the spirit wasn't just given to one Christian, but to the church. And so as you look at church history, you look through uh, what the church believes today, there's a humility in that. And then where the church has agreed, it's formed these goads for the, the, the pilgrim as he makes his journey, because uh, really you're dealing there with uh, something that's, that's shown itself to be clear for the church. Now, obviously they have differences in the confessions, but there'll be strong overlapping bits. And that shows exactly where it is, where, where that broad agreement lies is where we're, we can more readily simply receive something. Um, and it, coming back to what you said earlier there, you know, you know, it is right to ask yourself how, how you're growing. I mean, it, it's probably, it's, it's uncomfortable to ask yourself, how are you, how have you changed if you're thinking in terms of the central tenets of the faith that have been handed mm. down and never challenged and no one, although they've looked at it, has changed on those positions. I mean, probably there you're barking at the wrong tree if you're asking, how have I changed? There you're wanting to be asking, how have I deepened in my understanding? But uh, there are those peripheries where you have got a little bit of ebb and flow and people do change positions and they do grow and they do. Um, typically, uh, there is a lot of change as people grow in their understanding of the whole of the scripture. Uh, as it, as it, you know, I think of covenant theology, dispensational theology. These are bigger picture things. Um, often things like infant baptism and credo baptism are related to the bigger picture things. So it's quite natural to see a bit of movement that way, one way or another. Um, and I, maybe even healthy, you might even say, because it shows a, a sense of, of working through uh, for yourself. Um, in terms of that, I would see that less as an ectypal archetypal thing. That's more, um, you know, God reveals both ectypal and archetypal in the, in the scripture. Um, or, or, you know, let's put it this way. We, we see um, uh, the archetypal through the ectypal revealed in the scripture. But, um, you know, we have through that common lens an ability to grasp the ectypal character of that re- revelation. 
And so, um, you know, that is something very important, again, that he wants to emphasize, and we will come back to in terms of the community, the confession, reality, hermeneutics, how, how do we study the Bible? You know, we've got to include the church in that. And the church is bigger than the local church. It is, there is the church. And so church history becomes important as well. Um, all right, so we'll keep that, um, we'll keep that um, on ice and come back to that particular um, confessional sort of um, angle uh, soon enough. But um, then he moves into just thinking about how Christianity, just thinking again about uh, the differences here between um, perhaps something that we see in Christianity off the bat as then perhaps in relationship to other religions. And, um, and there, there's something profound, and this is going to set up his whole methodology um, right throughout the, the, the book. Um, we're saying that, um, or he's saying that with many religions and spiritualities out there, there's almost a flight away from the world. There is a, 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 an attempt to seek this, this archetypal reality of God through the various ladders of legalism and mysticism and uh, whatever other kind of thing is going. Um, but there is a specific way in which God reveals himself. Uh, and uh, what he calls us to is not a flight away from the world, uh, but a flight really towards the object of the concrete, the created. So it's not like we have to f- fly into the inner recesses of the soul to find God. We don't have to go uh, sit on the mountain for seven weeks and, and uh, meditate. We simply have to look at what God do- has done and what he's revealed uh, of himself in creation, in conscience, and obviously in scripture. And, uh, and so we, we think about how that all um, comes to bear with these coordinates that he offers. Uh, I like the way he puts it. And really, I think, again, we'll be using these terms a lot <clears throat> as we move through. These are the coordinates the, um, the, the coordinates on a, on a compass, as he puts it, for the pilgrim on the way. Uh, drama, doctrine, doxology, and discipleship. Um, those are things that we need to be focused on. What does he mean by those? So drama uh, is the, the grand story mm-hmm. of the scriptures from creation to new creation. And it's the, the story of what God is doing in the world. So it's putting, uh, it, it's understanding the kind of movement of salvation history towards its great end. Mm-hmm. With the climax obviously being uh, in uh, Jesus' revelation in his death and resurrection. Um, <clears throat> the life, death and resurrection of Jesus being the climax. But that's, if you think of you know, everything that is happening, as um you know as a as a narrative and that god is moving the narrative from the beginning of the narrative to the end of the narrative the end of the narrative being the perfect consummation of all things in christ jesus uh, the beginning of the narrative being the creation of all things in the garden of eden uh, uh, or creation of all things and the garden of eden and then the climax of the story the the kind of real or the crisis being the fall and then the climax of the story being uh, Christ and coming to rescue us from that fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of life is that the Bible is structured like that. So it's structured from creation to new creation. And so whatever we do, when we think about theology, when we think about uh, Christianity, when we think about um, our following Jesus, our love for him, our worship of him, all that kind of stuff has got to go in, it's got to be understood within the framework of the great drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, of God's work in, in history. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, and we're unlike a normal compass, as he says, we're not going to just 
just going the way of drama. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's our one Which point is what to, some people have done. That's some right. Have. That's right. I thought that was a good point. I was going to say exactly that. Um, you know, people want to take either the drama or the doctrine or the doxology or the discipleship, but we need them all. And they all have a certain flow. And they're all uh, almost, you know, you can almost imagine I, the, what I had in mind when, um, when he was talking about this in the chapter was, uh, you know, you kind of think about those video games, sometimes those little RPG video games, we got the little character, or at least back in the, like what, the 80s or something, you got those little um, character guys that you move with the arrow keys, you know, along the little virtual world, which is a two-dimensional map. But you want to get there and, and you need to use all your little arrow keys to make them go diagonal. You can't, you can't just like move in there. And uh, it's almost like that. We're moving along. We're going through terrain. We're getting through little obstacles. We're, and we're constantly pressing all of the arrow keys. Um, and there is a sense in which we have to constantly be asking ourselves what the drama means. Um, you know, or firstly, what, what happened, which is the drama itself. Uh, if we jump, jump straight into uh, the doxology to move around, or, you know, we're, it's going to be empty. If we jump straight into discipleship, it's going to be without substance. If we jump straight into doctrine, it's going to lack the kind of thing that I think we felt for a long time prior to Gehardus Vas. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, preaching just was very, even reform preaching, very doctrinal, very theological, yeah. um, but it lacked a certain organic connectedness in the scripture and uh, yeah. it lacked the narrative component which God had all revealed to be so riveting for his people. Uh, there's something about yeah. typology that is absolutely riveting as we look forward to Christ and see him from different angles. So again, you know, if, if you're starting there and then moving to the doctrine piece, your doctrine mm-hmm. is rich and filled with that narrative and informed by that narrative. And that, that is going to just overflow into obvious doxology and obvious discipleship. Um, really, we're talking about every sermon preached publicly and theologically in that sense. It's interesting because, you know, we're talking about like the growth and, and where things change, where they don't, where they deepen, where they sharpen, all that, you know, that, that sort of growth in our thinking and our theology. And the four coordinates help us to understand where that's going to happen. So, you know, as your understanding of the, the drama increases, that biblical theology, that's going to help your theology to grow as you increase in your doctrinal understanding mm. and clarity. Mm. That's where your doctrine is going to grow as you, as you think about devotional life, um, uh, uh, discipleship. Uh, I was thinking doctrine and devotion. You should send them a message and say, Hey, did you guys know you're missing two points of the compass? <laughs> it should be, it should be uh, drama, doctrine, dox, uh, discipleship and doxology. It's a little bit cumbersome. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It hasn't got quite as much of a ring to it, but still important nonetheless. But yeah, so like these things, these four points help us. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got it. I got it. I know what we need to do. Do it. They've got doctrine and devotion. We need to come up. We need to call ours drama and discipleship. (laughs) Nice. We are the rival. We're not not really the rival. The counterpart. Together we make yeah, the Yes, not the rival. Well, it's yeah. good because they would flatten us if we were the rival. Like, we'd be the most <laughs> yeah, pathetic rival that ever was. We'd be we're like, like uh, we're a rival to them like Satan is to God. Yeah, amen, amen. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> um, but a counterpart. I like that. Yeah. 
The, but like that's the whole idea. So actually, you know, you look at these four points of the compass and you're looking at all of them all the time. So you're not, it's not like a curriculum where you complete year one in drama. Now you move on to doctrine. Yeah. You know, you're looking at all four points of the compass all the time. Um, and you're, you're trying to assess where you are on the map. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, that you're going to move radically, but it is maybe just adjusting from, you know, northeast to north northeast or something like yeah. that. You know, it's really a lot like hermeneutics in that you don't have a hermeneutical sausage making machine where you can apply step one, apply step yeah. two, apply step three, and da da, come out with your truth. Um, it doesn't work like that. What the hermeneutical spiral is often what it's referred to in that we're mm. constantly, you know, we're going through a, a certain set of principles. We're bouncing. Off those other principles, we're deepening our understanding. We're going back to square one and thinking through it again with our deepened understanding. And, and so through the spiral kind of process, arriving at, at the point of truth, similar with this theological method in that we're constantly deepening our understanding of the drama and therefore attaching our understanding of the doctrine, uh, which is, is more full orb than it was before. And that is creating in us greater doxology and, um, and obviously leading us to discipleship. Um, and so, uh, yeah, these are, these are, um, important ideas. Now we're at 55, nearly at an hour. There's a last little bit of the, the, the chapter here where he kind of deals with, um, really what we want to do is not so much, uh, start as a baseline. You see a lot of systematic theologies that, well, if we're going to take this on logically, let's start with whether it can be logically deduced that there is a God and go from there and then which God and scripture and how does that fit in? He goes, no, let, let's just start with the central paradigm, which is the gospel. And uh, this will flow into his um, chapters that follow, but the gospel is the thing that's going to ultimately frame and provide a worldview for life that is going to overcome uh, or it's going to provide the rubric in which to process the data of life in such a way that's more winsome than, um, you know, if you simply had to, um, uh, you know, start with this little piecemeal approach. Um, you start with the gospel, you develop the gospel, and eventually you see how it accounts for every part of your existence in a way that no other framework can and no other uh, way to think about God and his relationship with us can. And, uh, and yeah. that, that wins us over, ultimately. I think it's, it's so important because so often you get, you know, you get locked into these very intricate arguments for the existence of God. I was listening to an apologetics thing um, the other day and it was all classical apologetics, which basically means that you use all the kind of old philosophical or rational arguments to, uh, to try and prove God's existence. And look, they're great and they have a place and they're very, they're very, um, I think very compelling. But the, uh, the, the point is that um, unless you understand how that fits into a worldview that makes more sense of reality than an alternative worldview, which it just, you know, it, then you're always just going to say, you're always just going to be picking up the little flaws in the arguments and you say, well, I'm not persuaded. I'm not persuaded. But actually, if you show someone, look, you cannot account for life um, with, a, with that view. It doesn't fit into a framework or a worldview or a big picture uh, that makes sense of reality. And I love the way Horton was like, look, start with the gospel and then ask the questions. Um, what worldview best allows for the gospel to be true, right? Yeah. And then when you look at that worldview that says, ah, if the gospel is true, this must be the worldview that contains it. Mm -hmm. Then take that worldview and then see if it makes sense of life. And what you'll find is it's bang on. 
And then and, uh, you can take that whole picture yeah. and contrast it with other worldviews yeah. and see how lacking they are. I find that compelling as well, not only because it, it builds up to eventually become this compelling apologetic, but, but just initially all you're doing is preaching the gospel, which is yeah. the thing that saves. And so, you know, it's also possible that upon hearing the gospel, remember, this is not a, we're not arguing that, you know, neither is Horton that, you know, you can be won over by pure reason into the faith. Uh, God does, does something supernatural through the communication of the gospel. And, um, you know, it could be that in that first moment you're won over. Well, the same rubric ap- applies though, in that you're, you're growing in your assurance. You're, you're, as you're developing and getting this bigger worldview idea and accounting for all of life, it, it might not be that you are becoming more and more won over to the faith. You're already won over, but you're growing in your assurance. But it's also true that as you look into these things, as an unbeliever, uh, a certain means that God would make use of is the gospel, both at its nucleus form and as, as that worldview then you know, speaks to the issues that you're, you're worried about and concerned with at an apologetic level, allowing for that nucleus to further hit you um, uh, as a message uh, on its own. So I think it's, it's got a lot going for it as a method, um, and I think it's, it's ultimately correct. So I think um, that's a good place to leave us tonight or your morning and um and we will keep it going uh debbie yeah thanks guys this is freaking awesome debbie i know her i know her she's ari's wife anyone who does not know that thanks guys for joining us so uh yeah we just threw the song we're kind of just pretend pretend live casting at the moment just to see if it'll work uh we're not letting anyone know but we'll love to if anyone i I shared it to my page did you okay well (laughs) your friends obviously don't care yeah well that's true (laughs) I'm keeping this under wraps, man, until we go. Uh, but yeah, it's, just, it's so great that people can join us and just adds a little something for us. Uh, if, you, if you do want to kind of just join in the conversation, throw as many um, um, you know, comments our way as you can, or even just um, you know, questions, feel free to fire and we'll get more and more, uh, you know, I don't know, I suppose, what is the word? Streamlined with this. Streamlined in our live stream. Oh, yeah. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like you know what you know what I feel like has happened already with our what? this Horton thing. I feel like eh, it's like we've it's grown more up. More coherent, or like it makes more sense. It's like it makes more <laughs> sense. It's like we've grown up. It's like we finally become men. Yeah, I feel like. But I feel it's not like quite so, triumphant sense yet. But you know, getting there. I feel like it's also made us a little bit boring though. <laughs> Jimmy you know is, is I, I, I think that, um, uh, you know, and, and we'll probably have to have more of an in-depth conversation about this off air, but I feel like actually we want to keep the conversation going and use the Horton as a basic structure, but not necessarily try and cover all of his material because then it becomes more like a lecture. Wait, what's going on here? Well, you seeing a black screen, right? Yeah. That's oh, part of, that's part of the plan. You know, what's coming next. I know. All I right. know it. Let's vibe out. Again. Mm-hmm.